Hey, you. Hey, here's one of my favorite episodes of The New Day. Feel the power. Check out the rest on Spotify. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Welcome to the greatest podcast of all time, which is entitled The New Day. Feel the power. Baby. I am Xavier Woods. I am Big E. And I am Kofi Kingston. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how we managed to be so lucky to get the guest that we have here today. A man who has fought through trials and tribulations, being yelled at, being spit on, only to rise above like a phoenix from the ashes to become a WWE World Heavyweight Champion, to become an A-list movie star, to hosting his own game show, Cannonball. Ladies and gentlemen, we are fortunate to have time today on this podcast with the one, the only, The Miz. Mm. Yeah. Thank you very much. What an amazing introduction. And by the way, your guys' voices are incredible. I mean, there's no auto-tune whatsoever on those bad boys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All natural, you know, how we do around here. Let me me ask you a question. So when when you guys were deciding to do this this podcast, you said, well, we need an entrance. I know know you you have the, oh, wherever we're at. I know that's your your entrance for WWE. (laughs) What made you think of this entrance? Well, we, we were forced into this, actually. So because since the pandemic, doing it remotely, we can't yell as much. And it used to be a lot more yelling. It used to be... The new day feel the power with a lot of yelling, but it blows out the mics. So now we just do weird stuff and kind of sing sing songing. All right, so that's like yeah, a, that, yeah. That's, that's how that's how not, it starts. Not, not okay, a, not an exciting story. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're looking for a great story, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one just just trying to not blow the mics out. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. So before we started, we talked about a few things. The first thing that I want to touch on before we go into all the stuff we actually want to talk about. Touch on him. Touch on him now. I'm going to touch. I'm going to touch. I get real handsy. So you're talking about the fact that in your your house, you have a place 
prepared for when you eventually win the up, up, down, down championship. hundred percent. It's that 100%. serious for you. I have like a trophy room, right? So it's like my billiards room and it's where you, you play all your games and you know, they have like a, a built-in like shelf and on that shelf is WWE championship, intercontinental United States tagged all the tag teams, by the way, like even the old school ones that I won with like Morrison back in like 2008. So I have all those lined up and there is one spot dedicated for the up, up, down, down championship. Cause I will, I will win the up, up, down, down championship. And so I have had this, this, this vacant little area, just like every time I've challenged for the the title, I'm like thinking, I sit there and look at it and I go, yep, it's going there. I can't wait. I can't wait. (laughs) And then I end up losing because we play some random game that nobody's even ever heard of before. And I end up losing and then get roasted usually by everyone because everyone wants me to lose. But I feel like I'm like an underdog story now. And I feel like people are starting to, to gravitate towards me to go, we want the Miz to be up, up, down, down champion. Like, I feel like I'm getting to that. Like, nobody wants Breeze as the champion. He's like the ultimate heel. I will say, yes, no one wants Breeze as the yeah, champion. Yeah, I, well, I was, I was going to yeah, agree on that, too. I feel yeah. like no one does want Breeze as the champion, right? That's, that's, <laughs> that's never indisputable, right? I never <laughs> thought I'd see the day where, where Miz would be a sympathetic figure in any realm, <laughs> in life, in wrestling. But here we are. You guys have no idea what I've been through on Up, Up, Down, Down. I have, I have dedicated, I have fought, I have strived to get to that top-notch area. And every time I come up short, and people love an underdog story, and believe it or not, I am the underdog story in Up, Up, Down, Down. There oh, is wow. no doubt in my mind. There is no, <laughs> no bigger underdog in Up, Up, Down, Down's history than The Miz. Wow. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean... Think, uh, think one. Think of Maka- one. Mikazi. No. Mak- he yeah. Are you kidding me? Bro. He, like, won on the first try. Like, isn't he the first champion? He's yeah, the first champion. Nobody second champion? expected him to win. Everybody was dumping on Mikazi, just like birds in the sky looking for him, just dumping on him all over him. And he somehow pulled it out, you know, and then defended it too. I don't know, and he's because, But the thing is, I'm saying right now, he's already been champion. Once you're a champion, you're not an underdog anymore. Okay. You're a champion. Well, he makes you're a point. A former champion. Okay. I am not okay. a former champion. I need to become a former champion of Up, Up, Down, Down to take away my underdog story. So right now, I am the ultimate underdog, and I love being it, and I'll play the role. The thing that's interesting to me about this is, like, we we made this stuff up, and uh, we talked about this before. So Kofi lost and wasn't the Up, Up, Down, Down champion going into Mania when he was wrestling Daniel Bryan the next day to become the heavyweight champion, the most important match possibly of, of his career. And he's texting me at like 2 a.m. trying to figure out, hey, can, can I come over and we can go knock on Makazi's door <laughs> and challenge for the title? What are the parameters behind the challenge? When can, when can, I, can I challenge him whenever I want? Bro, it's the realest title in the game, man. It's the realest title <laughs> in the game. You start playing for the title, you know how it is. And you're like, have like a little a title match, like the butterflies in my stomach that I get competing for the Up, Up, Down, Down championship is unlike anything I've ever experienced in the business at all. Like, bar none, bar none. And then I get so mad. You know, like, it's like real, and like, when as soon as the cameras go off, I'm just sitting there, like, just stewing. You know what I mean? And it's a, it's a game, right? Games are supposed to be fun. I'm just like, that wasn't fun. Was that fun? Oh, you, it, it ruined, it will ruin my week. Like, not just like my day, my hour, like my minute, like it ruins my entire week. And like, I don't like last, last time I faced 
breathed for the, the title. My wife yelled at me, which went viral. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I had to like film some stuff afterwards. And I go, you guys got to give me a minute. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I just need a minute. Like I need <laughs> to, to, you know, because the thing is, you're talking about the, the butterflies, right? So I get the butterflies and the worst, the worst I get them is right before we pick the game because you don't know what game you're getting. Right. And it's, it's a, it, I know it's a game I never even heard of before, always. Or a game that I'm like, they have a video game for this? I didn't even know that. <laughs> and, and then you have to figure out how to play the game while, while like playing for a championship. Like never in the history of championships, usually you're able to focus, hone in, know exactly what you're going into. You don't know what you're going into an up, up, down, down championship. And that's what makes it so fun, but so nerve wracking in the same sense. It's fun. It's nerve wracking. And then you get like, you just get like so mad. Why do you make me play that game? I don't play bowling. Why am I playing bowling for the championship? I should be playing. You know what I mean? Like I got to calm down sometimes. Man. <laughs> and then all your friends and then all your friends are there like making fun of you because you lost. <laughs> and it, it just, it's just, it, it, there's no bigger hurt than losing. And then on top of that, having everyone tell you how poorly you played a game that you never played before, like a game you never trained for. It's like you, you, and then you sit there and think about it. Like maybe if I get better at this game, I can actually win the other. No, no, because you're not playing it the next time. You'll never play it again. I can't work to get better at video games. I've never played before. The only way to get better on up and down is if you played every single game in the, in the books. And nobody has done that. Not even you, Woods. <laughs> no, we're good. Not even no, you. Good. Is there is there like a general skill set? Maybe it's a hand-eye coordination thing. Maybe there's like a general practice. Like you just work on maybe thumb dexterity. E, have you seen me in the ring? Like I have great hand-eye coordination. When people look at me, <laughs> they go, Mr. Coordination. <laughs> hey, listen, speaking of, what was it like? Oh my, I think it was like maybe two weeks after Mania or something like that. You went to go do a nip up. Right? Yep. In the yep. ring? Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You all the way back down and like, oh my God. Jomo goes, you should do a, you should do a kip up there. And I go, dude, I'm not very good at it. He goes, no, you can do it. You can do it. And I go, no, I, I'm not really good at them. Like, I honestly, I remember back when Tough Enough was first coming out. And did you remember like, I don't know if you guys watched, but I watched Tough Enough on MTV mm -hmm. where you could win a WWE contract and they would have people in the ring. And they would test them out. They would make them do some physical activities. And one of them was a kip up. And I was like, oh man, like if I ever trial for this, I'm going to learn how to do a kip up. So every night before I'd go to bed, I'd try to do 10 kip ups and I can never get them ever. <laughs> I just think it's my hips. I've had people try to train me to do kip ups. It just never works. So for Morrison to sit there and go, you can do it. And then me to actually think like, this is the, this is what Morrison has over me. Like Morrison will go, dude, you can do it. And I'll go, you know, maybe I can. Yeah, I can do it. Yeah, that's right. I can do it. And then I do it and I make it of myself. And now it went viral. And now every time someone does a kip up, they go, who did it better? And it's always, I look like the idiot. Like, I remember the last one was like, Lacey Evans did a kip up. And they're like, who did it better, Lacey Evans or The Miz? And I'm like, you know what? I get it, okay? The guy can't do a kip up. There's no hand-eye coordination in kip ups anyway. <laughs> Just so everyone knows. Yeah. I, I had that same relationship with Kofi. Yes. Because he, I was trying to do something in the ring. We we're practicing and he was like, yeah, you can do that. And I was like, okay. Right after I did, high ankle sprain. Out for three months. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right, right? <laughs> I know my limitations. I will say, though, we had, was it the match at uh, Elimination Chamber where a bunch of people messed up their uh, springboards? 
but not the Miz. Miz oh, was the one person yeah, who nailed the springboard. The so. That's your move, man. I, I will say that because I think there was a couple of times where you were practicing before, so to do the springboard, and literally everybody comes out and they're surrounding the ring. We're like, oh, <laughs> here we go. Miz about to bust his ass in the ring in front of everybody. And, there you, and you nailed it, man. I feel like I've never seen you actually like trip on a springboard. Congratulations. Congratulations. I have done it. I have done it once or twice, but. Now, I mean, I couldn't believe that you tripped. Uh, and I don't think it was, I don't think you tripped. I think it was your shoes. Like your shoes were slipping or something that day because you were all over the place in the elimination chamber. Oh, Do you bad. remember that? Yeah, it was bad. I forget. Like you slipped like three times that day. I think it was, uh, I mean, it might've been two. <laughs> I think it was like three. two. It might've been two or something like that. But yeah, I forget what it was. The sneakers I was wearing didn't have any kind of traction. Uh, and I had no business wearing them in the ring, but Good uh, ca camera cutaways. Fix that. That's right. And uh, I'll tell you, they didn't need to cut away from me. Actually, extreme close up because I nailed my my amazing springboard double axe handle off the top. Boom! Double axe. There you go. <laughs> with <laughs> so okay, so obviously, so people who are uh, are friends with you, they know you like to talk and you like to, like some good banter from time to time. Most of the time, I'm going to throw this to E because E's initial thoughts of you when he saw this banter. Well, so so every time we do a podcast, uh, our producers always asking us for notes, and sometimes like we know you, and I was like, okay, we're, the Miz loves to talk, and it'll be fine. We don't really have to have many notes, but I was just struggling to think of things, uh, and I just wrote this down just because it was a thought that came to mind. I didn't know if it was something that needed to be said, but I will say I think we have a pretty good report. I'm not going to say we're the best of friends and hang out or anything, but I think we have a pretty good report and, and have had one for the last several years. But I will say when I first came to the main roster in 2012, uh, I would describe you as someone who could be quite petulant, someone who was pretty annoying. I remember you would just do something. I think we were on a bus one time and it was like you were 10, year, 10 years old. You were like poking at me or just, just something, you know, the repetitive, like I'm not touching you, I'm not touching. It was something like that. It was like, oh, this man is a child. And we, <laughs> I didn't even know you do that well. And that, so that was my first impression of you. And I say that freely now because I feel like we're on good footing now and have had been, we've been on good footing now for quite some time. But I will say for me, at least, I think. I, I didn't really express this, but I think I silently stewed while this uh, was happening. But I will say it didn't get off to the uh, cleanest of starts for me. But uh, I, but I also said, so when I talked to our producer, I said, you know, I don't know if this is something that we need to talk about. And he's like, oh, maybe not. But I was like, oh, you know, the Miz knows he's annoying. So I don't think it's a big thing. Oh, I don't no, think you don't like, understand. Yeah. Like, I, I, my entire life, I would say I make a poor first impression. Like almost 90% of the, and I don't know why. I just, I, I think it's because I'm too much. Like, sometimes I think, like, my positives are my negatives. Like, I'm a lot to digest. And sometimes my energy is too much. And if I find a button, I'm going to push it. And I'm going to keep pushing it. And I didn't realize where I got that from until my dad started doing it to me when I was, like, 37. We were at a uh, eating dinner somewhere. And my dad was doing something and it was really annoying me. And I go, why are you doing this? And he literally <laughs> just kept doing it, he kept doing it. And I went, oh my. And then in my head, I went, oh my God, I do this. <laughs> my father, is this where I got it from? Is this what happens? No, I get that all the time. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Like I'm just a lot to take in, I think. 
And if I find a button, I push it. And I don't know why until I didn't know why until my dad started doing it to me. And it's something that I was brought up with, I guess. Wow. But at least you learned about yourself. That's that's yeah. at 37. The fact it's that you learned that's that's pretty yeah. that's big. I'm always <laughs> learning new things about myself. <laughs> we were also talking about before we got on. Uh, you know, so you're talking about ease turning on his kitchen lights. You know, because at the the bachelor pad lives alone, and I, you also talked about like you said, Marie screaming at you. So how has this been in quarantine? You know. A bachelor style of quarantine is going to be much different than uh, married with with children style of quarantine. Well, so you how have are to you put balancing? this in proper perspective, though. You can't just say Maurice yells at you. OK, <laughs> so I uh, I was we were playing the championship for the up, up, down, down. And I was playing in my bedroom. Now, everyone knows I'm very loud. I'm just a loud person in general. My voice projects. And when I play video games, I become extra loud, like almost at 110 percent. My children were sleeping and taking a nap. <laughs> And we all know, Big E does not know this, but when you have kids and they are taking a nap, no one better make a peep because it's nap time. And it's the only time you can have silence in your household. And so, you know, like my wife is an incredible mom, but if you literally, and and to to her credit, she is an incredible mother because I'm loud and I forget sometimes that, you know, my kids are sleeping, she'll... Let allow me to know that, yo, the kids are sleeping. If you make another peep, I'm going to really be angry. And you don't want to make your wife angry, especially when your kids are napping. I can attest I've uh, I've almost been slapped many a time for screaming <laughs> at the top of my lungs during nap time and not realizing as well. <laughs> for, for me, it's not it's, it's not even screaming sometimes like at night. Uh, if I, so I'm not allowed to like do the dishes at night anymore because like the, clean, this is a clean, thing that you're doing. Dishes. It's like a chore that you're doing. I'm, it's like and a I nice think thing I'm, to do. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm doing something nice. So she wakes up in the morning, the dishes are done. And then I come out and you know, she comes out and she's like, no, you, you can't be making that. That's the worst sound ever. You know, it, it wakes up the kids. <laughs> yeah. I said, like, babe, I'm just, I'm literally like placing the plate on top of another one as gently as I possibly can. There's no way that he can hear that. Right. There's no way, but I can't, I can't argue. You know what I'm saying? Like she's got to be the one to go back in there and like put them back to sleep. So I'm like, I have done the same thing, (laughs) like legit the same thing. Like if I put my plate in, in, in the sink and it hits another plate, oh, holy hell. (laughs) You're allowed to like break out in our house. What are you doing? I just bring my plate in the yes. sink. Like I'm cleaning up my plates. Like, what, what do you mean you clean up your plates? Why do you gotta you set it, you set them down, you place them? I'm like, I did place it. I don't want you saying why are you making so much noise doing it? I'm like, why are you making so much? And by the way, we're yelling like this. Yes. Why why yes. I don't understand. It's like it's like a literally we become pros like that. I mean, do you guys get the quiet kind of arguments? 100%. Like, I'm trying, of course. I'm trying so much. Mm-hmm. And you want to yell, but you can't because yeah. the kids are sleeping. You mm-hmm. can't. No, the amount of that, quiet, quiet arguments. Yeah. Yes. The quiet arguments have happened, especially like during quarantine because they're just on top of each other the whole time. <laughs> so, what are you doing? What are you, don't, don't do that. No, why, you think, why would you even think that's a good idea? I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What did I do? But then I'm getting fired. Like, no, I'm trying to do a good thing. It's like, no, but your good thing is doing a bad thing. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and Biggie's just sitting there going, I don't have this problem. Yeah. Just, make it, just make it all the noise, whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, just, just clean my dishes. Right right now. Now. <laughs> 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 I throw them in the dishwasher. What would happen? I could never do a podcast in a kitchen, ever. <laughs> that's where the kids are. That's where the moms are. That's where Maurice is. Like, that's where my dogs and cats are. I have to go to the guest house in order to get anything done. 
And this is, and honestly, I'm just waiting for my daughter to walk in here and just go, blah, 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 oh, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'm like, daddy's working. Daddy's on a podcast right now. She doesn't care. <laughs> she doesn't okay. know where it is. Oh, no. That's your button. She's going to push it. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's learning, from, she's learning from the best. So we spoke on your athletic prowess. You're able to hit these I'm, I'm an athlete. Just, just an athletic maniac in the ring. Do you feel that uh, that skill and athleticism translates to the basketball court? Mm. Yeah. No, I didn't know where Here this podcast are. was going to yeah. go. I really didn't. And of course, you went for it, huh? And I, let me, I imagine you probably have the footage because we filmed the whole thing. And look, me and Kofi, anytime we are at a gym and I see Kofi and there's a basketball court, we're playing basketball. It's just whether you're done with your, whether you just started your workout or you just finished legs, it doesn't matter. We are playing basketball. And Kofi has beaten me many times. Like there, there was a time where there was like a, a hundred people watching us play basketball one-on-one. Yes, it say, was the yeah. worst display <laughs> so of basketball you have ever seen in your entire life. Like at first the kids were like, dude, this is the best game ever. Kofi and the Miz are going at it. By the end, people were leaving. Like this, so this is what we get. Like you guys are like really good WWE superstars, but basketball. Oh my God. <laughs> I was there that day. Horrible, horrible display. I feel like we've talked about this on the podcast, like no less than five times on the, you know, the, the duration <laughs> of the podcast. We bring it up all the time, but I'm like, you know what? Let's have Miz on there and have him tell like his side of the story. Cause maybe like, maybe he saw it differently. You know, like maybe it was a little bit different. Maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought, but I don't know. I dude. remember the ball going off my foot. And like a hundred times, like I remember a time where we were playing and I drained like, like it, we were playing ones and twos. So I was, I was draining twos. Like it was going on style. Like I, I was up 10 to one, like no doubt. And I was like, dude, I was laughing. I was like, this is so easy. This cakewalk, just draining them, drain them. I miss one. Kofi gets the rebound. Never got the ball back again. Kofi ended up beating me like by two. Cause it, you know, you had 12 yeah. to 10 or 13 to 11, right. something like that. But it was very embarrassing. And yeah, I've had many embarrassing moments playing basketball. I think probably the most embarrassing was I, I used to bring a guitar on, yeah, on the road. <laughs> and because I wanted to learn how to play a guitar. And I was the worst guitar player ever. Like I would like, you know, how I like saying I push buttons. Pushing some buttons would be like we're driving long roads and I would just be jamming back and not playing any songs, just trying to learn how to play just any type of beat whatsoever. So we made a bet, like whoever wins, I don't, I don't remember what I got to do, but Kofi got to sign my guitar. And so we played the game, Kofi ended up winning and he signed my guitar. And then I left picture. that guitar in a rental car. Yeah. <laughs> it was never to be seen again. Yeah. And I bought a new guitar. So I didn't have to have Kofi's name on my guitar <laughs> all the time. Bro, it, it was, uh, bro, and so I forgot about this too, because there was one point where it was like me, you, and Hornswoggle, we would travel together, right? Like for a, a extended period of time. And then like Evan was with us at one point, Evan Bourne. But yeah, you were so proud of that guitar, man. I remember you being on the road and like you were taking uh, lessons at home with uh, like the guitar wizard or something. What was Red that? Mistress. The it was Shred the Mistress. Shred Mistress. Yeah, the Shred Mistress. And you're like, oh, I created my own tablature and this and that. And you were just so proud about like playing your guitar. And Hornswoggle would set you up. He's like, oh my God, Miz, it sounds like you've gotten better. And you'd be like, oh yeah, thanks, man. I've really been practicing. And Hornswoggle will cut you off and say, if by better, you mean worse. <laughs> and just, you see the joy just fall out of your face. Oh my God. But the God. thing is, he would do that. It, like, I would get caught with that, that, that same joke 
like every week, <laughs> every single week we'd get in the car. He'd tell me how good I'm getting. And, and I actually believe I'm actually getting better. Like, and I'm like, Oh yeah, I am. You know? And he's like, if, and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> every time just setting them up. Oh my God. It was, I was, gosh, there was even like that one time too. I think we were in Canada and uh, we pulled up, you were driving. We went to go get gas. The hotel was like across. There was a big field, probably like a 50 yard field. And then the hotel in between the gas station and the, uh, and the hotel. So we, you, you, you were driving the car, you went to get gas and then you go back into the store to go get something. Hornswoggle jumps out gets in the front seat and drives the car off. I go, oh my God, like, where are we go? He And I'm like, okay, joke's over, man. You're gonna go, you're gonna go pick Miz up, right? He Joke parks the over. car. <laughs> he parked the car back at the hotel. And now we're sitting there, we watch you come out of the gas station and you're looking left and right, hands on the hips. You see the car all the way across the field. And then you proceed to have to walk all the way to the car where we were laughing our off in the car. It was so funny. It was very muddy that day. <laughs> and yeah, and I honestly thought that he was actually going to come. I, I was like, oh, they'll come pick me up. No, they'll come pick Five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by. And I go, you know what? The hotel's <laughs> right there. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll walk it. And then I walk it and it's through sludge and puddles and disgust. And yeah. Just nasty. That, that did happen, 100%. Horrible. But going back to like the basketball games too. So as far as like, like I, the reason why like, to lose to you, so I feel like, and this goes for like video games, athletic, whatever, any kind of contest, to beat you is the best ever because I feel like you, you know, you like to run your mouth a lot. You like to talk a lot. And when you, you know, when you beat you, it's like, uh, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's elated. I'm elated about it. But to lose to you, I would never hear the end of it. We'd be sitting here on this never. podcast right now telling a different story. I feel like you would have never played me again. You know, yeah, exactly. I'm sitting there. Sounds familiar. 100%. I, literally, I am waiting for the moment that I beat you. And literally, you will never beat me again. Because you will never play me again. Bro. And you will have to hear about it for the rest of your life, how I beat you at basketball. Like, that is, that is yes. That is and what that I'm was waiting the stress. for. Yeah. That was the stress, dude. Like playing when I was down like 10 nothing. I'm like, I'm I'm having like a literal like a panic attack on the court. I'm like, I cannot lose this game. I will literally, I'll never hear the I can't lose to the best. What's everyone gonna say? You get so yeah. pumped up in a game in my entire life. Like I, you, you know, like when you go for a rebound, you jump up. Kofi was like hitting the rim. I like he was like LeBron James. Like, when I, I would I would I would do like an Allen Iverson, not really, like crossover start going to the to the rim go to do a layup and Kofi would be right there pow LeBron James and me off the backboard just twatted me left and like I've never seen him try so hard in my entire life at anything I don't think anything than that one game that one game he was not gonna let me and and I was and I was mouthing off because I was 10 it was 10 to 1 I was I was so loud bad. I was obnoxious but Kofi just remained focused he didn't even let me in that's how focused he was. <laughs> what I want for this, I want footage of this game as you're describing your Allen Iverson crossover. <laughs> actually see what's happening. I want, all, I want also footage to a company where Kofi had his LeBron James book. <laughs> it's like us when we do the frog pose and we think that we're six feet in the air. Yeah. When you actually watch it, Kofi drops two inches. Yeah. Stumbling around. In your mind, you think you're just killing it. But in actuality, oh, it's a hot mess. 
but that's so to that point, like we we that's what we do. We kind of we embellish things a little bit sometimes. Yeah, that's true. That's it's true. like the first time that I was there for the basketball game. Like I took I, I recorded footage, but then I wrote an article on it and they put it on dot com <laughs> just describing <laughs> this epic basketball game. And then I remember I think I showed Pelagato, uh he works in digital, he helped me get on dot com. He sh- I showed him the footage. He goes, Is this a different <laughs> game? <laughs> No, this is the one I wrote about. It's like, they don't really match up, buddy. The sad part is, we talk so much smack that you think that this is the most epic basketball game you will ever see. Like, you think two pros are going on the on the court, and you're wondering why they aren't in the NBA the way they're talking. <laughs> Play like five year olds could beat us. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Staying on course with your athletic prowess, uh, Ms. Uh, you're a man of many nicknames. Big Trap Mike. And this is real, it's real dumb, but I, so most of the time when I see you in the locker room, especially if you're shirtless, if you're like, if you're spray tanning or something, uh, I like gassing you up with your uh, Big Trap Mike nickname. I don't even know why this started or where it started, but I do appreciate that when I say it, you, you'll just flex your traps, walk around like you're 300 pounds, and it's real dumb, but it just, it brings a smile to my face, so I appreciate Honestly, that. I think it started where you were in the uh, you were in the gym, probably doing traps, and I was like, alright, let Big Trap Mike get in here. Alright, let's, let's do it. And then it just stuck. So there's also Big Fat Mike for whenever I feel like really like eating just like a pizza or like some crap. I'm like, yeah, I feel like Big Fat Mike, you know, Big Trap Mike. I make up so many names for myself. It's not even funny. Like that's kind of all I do is like, like whenever we're shooting Ms. and Mrs., Maurice will be doing an interview and Maurice will be like, really? That? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it came from. It just happens. Splendid. I like it. I support it. I do. Big trap Mike, man. Like, I, but the problem is, like, so with working out 
Like, I don't like working out. Like, people like working out. Like, I used to like working out when I was in my 20s. When I get to my 30s, I can't stand it. I, it it's almost, <laughs> it's a job. But, I, but I, it is a job. It's a 100% job because my job requires me to have some athletic ability. And so I basically, and, and you have to be physically fit. Like, I always think like a champion needs to look like a champion, needs to act like a champion, needs to walk, talk, act like a champion. So like, ever since I hit like 39, my energy has gone way low and having kids like getting into the gym is difficult. But like, so I had to like hire a trainer. I hired a nutritionist. I hired a, a chef that literally brings me my food because if they don't, I'm eating my kids food. I'm eating chicken nuggets. I'm eating <laughs> cheeseburgers. I'm eating pogos like that. I'm eating crap foods. So I literally, this is the first year where I really honed in and said, Mike, you can't let yourself go. Like, you want to be a champion. You want to be a superstar. You want to be as big. And, you, and the thing is, like, I always look at it like I'm a representative. I'm a representative. When people see me with a championship, they need to be like, wow, that guy is a champion. Whether we joke around and believe it or not, that's just my mindset of the way I work. So literally, I got a chef that got me gluten-free and and she got me uh, off of gluten, off of cheeses, off of dairy. And honestly, I felt my face become less bloated. My belly is less bloated just from not eating gluten. Like, I don't even know what gluten is. Like, <laughs> gluten is. But I stopped doing it. And then my, my, my trainer is like, dude, you're, you're training too much. Like, on, on, a, on a given day, like, I would do, like, five chest exercises to make sure my chest was extra swollen. And then I'd get so tired that, like, that my chest would be so sore that I would not be able to work out for the next, like, three days because I was just, I couldn't move. Like I do legs or something. He's like, you need to like pace yourself. You're no longer 20 something. You're 39 years old. You need to work out like you're 39 years old, but obviously we're going to get you into shape where you feel like you have more energy and you, and you could do more things because honestly having kids, oh my, it, it takes every ounce of that you had spare time of like Biggie, think of your day. Think of all the spare time you have in your day. That is gone, gone. And, and you won't listen to it. Like when I, when I have friends that would tell me like, yeah, dude, I, I, yeah, I got kids. I can't come out today. I can't play. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do anything. I'd be like, why, what is wrong with you? Why can't you just, just let them go with the babysitter. Let them do this. Let them do this. And now I understand I was wrong. And I have apologized <laughs> to every friend that I've had with kids because I didn't get it. And I, and you won't get it unless you have them. Your spare moments are gone. Your alone time is gone. Mm -hmm. You have to find time to work out. Am I wrong? No. Just like your last name, E. You just show up one day and it's gone. Gone. <laughs> just like last name. Gone. You, you, you hold the baby right out the womb. Maybe you cut the umbilical cord. You're like, oh my God, my whole life has changed. And then your second thought is, oh my God, my whole life has changed. <laughs> and then you're up at four o'clock in the morning because your kid is, is, can't sleep and you're, you're just doing this. Mm -hmm. Like last night, Madison woke up four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, come on. Try to feed her. Doesn't want to be fed. Changed her. Still crying. Pick her up. Doing this. Okay. Okay. She's sleeping. Oh, she's sleeping. Oh, I got it. Okay, good. Good. Okay. Here we go. Boom. Set her down. Start walking back. I lay in my bed. I lay in my bed. <laughs> I swear to you. Starts crying again. And I'm like, should I leave her? And I'm like, I can't. I just can't. Like some people are like, you know, they need to develop and like, you know, be able to sleep. Even if they're crying, they need to get themselves to, to, to sleep. And I'm like, look, if my kid's crying, I'm going to try and 
not make them not cry. So there I am again, 4.15, doing this, like till <laughs> 4.45. My arm's tired, my back's tired, my legs are tired. I worked out legs yesterday too, so I can't even walk. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing that's great about it is because I feel like there's lots of people who don't understand. They're like, oh, well, like if it's such a hassle, why would you have kids? It's like, because it's like the most rewarding thing on the yeah. face of the planet. Right. Um, but but even even the like with that fact that you're doing so much stuff, you were doing so much stuff before you had kids. You were the guy like, I I gonna be weird for a second, but once I found out like the things that you'd actually been through to get to where you are and how hard you actually hustle, like you became like one of my favorite humans that I'd ever got the chance to work with because you're like that wow. shining beacon of like burning the candle from both ends and the middle and still making it all work at the same time. So the fact that you were so busy before you had kids and now you do have kids and it seems like you're even more busy, like how are you able to, to balance all of those things and be successful in every arena that you're stepping into? This is the busiest I've ever been in my entire life. And right now, you know, a lot of things are happening with, with the pandemic and, and with COVID and, and a lot of people are like out of work and like me, it's, I'm, I'm working triple like so I'll, I'll give you a for instance uh last week we were filming the last episodes of Ms. and Mrs. like we have to do a whole protocol that we have to go through for safeties and regulations and making sure that everyone feels safe uh with filming and so we're doing Ms. and Mrs. not only that but Cannonball I need to finish voiceovers for Cannonball for the last two episodes and these voiceovers take like three and a half hours to do an episode so not only but not only that I was doing also media. So I would wake up at like 545 and then at 6 a.m. I was on the phone until like noon doing radio interviews. And then the next day I was doing a satellite tour for TV interviews because, you know, NBC is really like behind USA and NBC is really behind the show, which I was like, I've never seen promotion for a show like this ever. Like not WWE, not Ms. and Mrs. Like they are pulling out all stops for Cannonball. And, you know, it's it's great, but it's it's just a lot of work. Like I remember, like I had to do two episodes of Cannonball back to back, and that's seven hours of 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 talking. Now I can talk for a long time, but you 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 literally need to find your voice. Like I'm yelling, I'm going three, two, one, Cannonball. You know, like I'm yelling. So that's seven hours of that. But then the day before, I had four hours of Ms. and Mrs. interviews where we're sitting down, and it's like where you see us, and was like. Well, you know, Maurice didn't like what I said there. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so I did three hours of that the day before. So my voice was absolutely shot. And they're like, and I'm just drinking water. I have like this thing called singer's voice that I spray in my throat so I can actually get it done. But it's, it's all time management. And then also, like, I want to be a good dad. Like, I don't want to be the dad that, that my daughters are like, where's Dada? Where's Dada? Dada's gone. Dada's gone. Dada's always gone. I don't want them to say that. Like, I want them to be like, who taught you how to swim? Dada. Who taught you how to how to how to how to walk? How to how to run? How to play basketball? How to play baseball? Like how to how to do well, all maybe, maybe not basketball. Maybe not basketball. Uh, maybe, maybe not basketball. <laughs> <laughs> like, actually, here here at the Mizana household, the the basketball hoop's like seven foot, so I can dunk on it. Oh. So nice. They're just in awe. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, Daddy can dunk. <laughs> but like honestly, I think it's with all of us though. I think all of us have a mentality where. We're just trying to do our best for not only us to keep our minds safe, but also for our families. Like, you know, we're working hard like you. You're doing you're doing up, up, down, down. You're working very, very hard to get a successful show off the ground. And by the way, it is successful. Not only that, 
I think you are going to be G4's new host. Creed for G4, baby! I'm hope, yeah, I hope so. I don't try to push too hard. You know, Creed for G4, help you boy out. Let me get a hosting gig. Hey, can I, let me let me point out something real quick. Okay, so this is this might end up being a little bit like twofold and long-winded. It's already long-winded because I'm asking. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, by the way, have you not heard my answers? They literally go for 10 minutes. <laughs> so check this out, man. Um, I, I, so this is the question that I think a lot of people want to know. So, you know, you're, if anyone could be considered to be like Mr. Hollywood on the roster, that'd be you, you know, right? Even look at your shirt right now. Is that, a, is that Gucci or is that Chanel? It's Gucci. It's Gucci. It Gucci. You got a Gucci blazer on, you know, in an amazing pattern. You know, you're always dressed to the gills. I'd like to talk about a time where you, um, you, you would wear a certain outfit to the ring. You had what looked to be like Jenko shorts, uh, Doc Martin boots. Uh, the socks coming out of the boots. You had a shirt that said a uh, chick magnet on it, plain and gray with the magnet pointing to a chick. Uh, and then you also had a fedora. But underneath that fedora was a bandana. You had your, um, I think, your, your finger gloves on as well. And to me, I don't know much about style per se, but I don't know if I would call that uh, a stylish Look, so I think the question that I wanted to ask, and I think that a lot of people want to know is, what was the inspiration behind that outfit? It seems very controversial to somebody who has a lot of style now. Obviously, you've never been to Melrose. Uh, If you have been on Melrose, then you would know that that was the coolest thing ever. Actually, the way I got that style, like that was basically the first outfits I wore in WWE. And the first ones at OVW that that I got, I actually made them. Like I painted them. I, I, I made them. I did, I did everything for them. And so I didn't want to look like a stereotypical wrestler. Like I wanted to look different than everybody else. And so everything just started happening. So I had these socks and I was like, oh, I can wear these knee pads with these socks. And that'll be, and I wanted to basically people look at me and go, this guy, I don't like him right away. Like I wanted <laughs> to just to be like, I don't like this guy. I, I remember wearing, uh, I was testing something out and I wore, a bandana with a fedora on it because I saw Kevin Federline wearing it. And I was like, nobody likes him. So <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why. And so I wore it and everybody in WWE made fun of it or made a comment about it. And so I was like, huh, I'm wearing this from now on because if our, if, if WWE superstars can't stand it and hate it and make fun of it, guess who else is going to do that? The WWE universe. And honestly, it was successful up until the Calgary kid. And right. the way that came about was I, we were doing Summerfest, as Jeremy Piven put it. <laughs> I see Jeremy Piven because he fired me from WWE. Jeremy Piven, when he was a guest host on, I think it was Raw, uh, he fired me. And the next week, I was in a contract on a pole match, but it wasn't me. It was the Calgary kid. I came out with a mask with a, a, a Canadian. By the way, we were in Calgary. Because so, so people would do it. It was me versus Eugene and it was contract on a pole match and nobody knew it was me. And the only way you would not know it's me is I was not going to wear the shorts. I was going to wear the fedora, no gloves. I was going to look completely different. I was going to look like a stereotypical, like luchador wrestler where you have speedo tights, you know, kick pads. You know, I had the, 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 the face mask on, so you couldn't tell it was me. I worked differently. And at the end, I won the contract on a pole match. And when I took off that mask, Everyone didn't know it was me, and the entire arena erupted in booze because I wasn't the Calgary kid. One of them didn't make it. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Sorry, USA. The next day, hey, Miss Vince thinks you got great legs. We think you should start wearing trunks from now on. And I'm like, 
No, like the, the whole point of my style <laughs> is that I wanted to be different than everybody else. I didn't want to be your quote unquote stereotypical wrestler. You know, I wanted to be different than everybody. And so they won that argument. And I'm kind of <laughs> glad I actually did it because it like, I don't know, it got me out of that, that whole thing. But my whole, my whole reasoning for everything that I wear is I want kids to be able to wear it and kids to be able to dress up like me for Halloween. So that's why I do all these big, like coats and like the 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 kid karate kid like literally uh headband <laughs> yeah, yeah. sunglass big sunglasses like I, I do all that stuff so literally kids can wear it. like kind of like what you guys do you guys do it better than anybody you guys know how to I mean who would have thunk wearing a, a a light on your head that's a unicorn would literally be the biggest seller one year very dumb very, very dumb so but yeah, that's dumb but great. Every kid wanted one. Every time, like, really well. I remember any time I'd bring, like, uh, like some of my friends' kids backstage, you'd be like, can, can we get one of those those unicorn thingy you put on your forehead? I'm like, really? That's what you want? Yes, I would really like to light up the unicorn thingy on my forehead. Kids sound Man. excited. They see yeah. Yeah. Grown, men, enthusiastic. grown men in audience wearing unicorn. Like, like honestly, like, crazy. Yeah. It's, it's stupid stuff. It's over. I had a similar conversation. And so I, I know your pain because when I came up on the main roster, I was wearing a singlet and, you know, it would end up. So my, my cheeks were, were thoroughly covered. And I tried to explain to them that this is going to be a bad idea because I am a man who has been blessed with a lot of. I got a lot of back there and it needs to be covered up. And from time to time, <laughs> people will send me videos or pictures <laughs> of me. And it's me. And I'm trying to be a menacing heel at this point in my life. And it just, I look, it's just all, it's just, I'm double cheeked up on a <laughs> Sunday. I on a Sunday. So I think I eventually, I don't, I think I, I don't remember because it's kind of one of those things that you need to kind of slide by him. I think it's one of those things after a few months, I realized this is ridiculous. I'm getting nowhere with this. I think I just slowly started bringing it back and I, I would have the normal cut singlet, but I would hike it up a little bit. So it still like looked like I had a similar Taz cut singlet. And then eventually it just came down lower and lower and lower until no one said anything. And I think he lost interest in seeing my legs too. But uh, yeah, I, I remember that conversation and it was traumatic for me actually just hearing you talk about the you got great legs story again and traumatized me for a moment. So I understand. I get it. Oh, no. But yeah, it worked out. Like you said, you, you're trying to make sure that you are memorable to people and the easiest way to know that you're memorable is if someone can poke fun at you. And I feel like there are, are many people who come through the wrestling industry who take stuff like that to heart and they don't, they don't understand that aspect of it. They go, oh, they're making fun of me. Maybe, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to be personally attacked. And it's like, no, no, in, in wrestling, like you have to have the door wide open to all of that and allow that in because that makes the relationship, then the bond that you're able to create so much stronger. And, and you're a guy who clearly knows and understands that and has used that to your advantage um, in here's the a, ring. Here's another stupid story, if, if, if you don't mind me. I just, if you just triggered something. So when I with the shirt, the chick magnet, that was my gimmick. My gimmick was the chick magnet back then. That's what I was when I was going to ECW. And one of the writers, uh, the head writer said, hey, here's a, here's a book. It was called The Game by Neil Strauss. Read it. This is your character. And so this was like a pickup artist uh, book. It teaches you how to pick up women. And so one of the thing was peacocking. And peacocking is wearing something like weird to a club. And honestly, it may look weird at first, but then most people in a club will want, end up wearing it. For instance, why are you wearing sunglasses in a club? It's at night, right? 
uh, wear sunglasses. And literally, I guarantee by the end of the night, people will be taking it, putting it on themselves, taking pictures with it. Wear a hat, paint your nails, but only paint like three of them. Paint them black, paint three of them. Because then people are going to ask, why did you do that? And then just make up a story. Like that was like peacocking. So, And honestly, I was like, this is the stupidest, but there's no way any of this will work. No way. By the way, this is before I met Maurice. Before. (laughs) This will not work. So I would go and I would try to do some of these things that was said in the book and it would work. And I'd be like, I cannot believe that these, these things are working. Like for instance, they go, say, say you're having a hard time, you know, thinking of something to say, I usually don't. But, uh, if you're having a hard time, play a game with them. And they're like, what's the game? All right. The game is think of, all right, each, all three of you think of a number between one and 10, seven. Whoa. Did I get any of them? Yeah. Five. Mine. Kofi. Six. E. Five. Okay, so the game is that most, a lot of times, people will pick seven. Like, it's just a thing. And so then you create a game out of that. And then you go, and then say, I got it wrong. Like, E, I got it wrong. Uh, I would guess again, I'd be like, all right, is your number three? And you're like, no. Is it four? Yes. Oh, it's four. Oh, man. Wait, what? what? What's wrong with four? Well, you know, seven is the most, like, artistic very different, but, but out there, very outgoing, fun, loving, you know, one, three, and five are like, you're still, you like your regular people. If someone says four, like, well, no, what, 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 what? Like, it's just, you know, it's not, it's not the best number to get. And so literally that's how like, and that, that would work every single time. And so you'd start talking about it. Like I learned how to cold read people, like, because they said cold reading works. And I was like, this does not work. And you just generalize everything. So I would tell a person where they're from without even knowing where they're from, but by, by guesstimating like, ah, oh, you're, you know what? You're from the South, aren't you? Well, yeah, yeah. You, you have like a, uh, a Texas, Louisiana, Florida kind of vibe. And they'd be like, oh my God. So I'm already there. So then I'm like, yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking like, and literally it's like, the stu- this is the, and I'm saying this and I read it. It's the stupidest stuff that works. So I was supposed to play. So when I get into character and people tell me, this is your character, this is what you should try to portray. I, I got totally into it. I would read everything about, there's this guy called mystery that would wear hats and like, look like a big goth guy. He was like six ten, long hair, like put uh, eyeliner on his eyes, painted his nails. And literally he was like the, the, the main character in the, the game. And so I kind of derived my character off of that because I was the quote unquote chick magnet. So it's just goes to show how, how I really get into my characters. Like I remember uh, when I came back from doing the Marine four. Yeah. The Marine four. I said, I wanted to be the biggest movie star that only does like D list movies that only does like straight <laughs> DVD movies. And they were like, how will that work? And I go, look, I want to play this. So I would watch a bunch of like interviews with like Tom Cruise talking about uh, Scientology. And I'd be like, this is what, like, it, it look, look at his demeanor and, like, how he's speaking. Like, I remember one of the lines was like, look, you don't understand. Like, I see a person pulled over on the side of the road, and I know I have to stop and help them because I'm the only one that can. And I'm like, and, like, that's, like, almost a direct quote from something he said in this. And I go, listen to this. Like, watch this video. This is who I want to emulate and create. I want to be, but, uh, but obviously he's an A-list actor who has huge, huge movies. I don't, but I want to act like I do. 
and that will infuriate people and people will be really pissed <laughs> off about it. And it worked. And then I, and then I said, then I said, Hey, I also want a stunt double. I want someone that comes out and does all my matches for me. And I sit down and go, uh, like as I'm about to do the match, I go stunt double. And then literally the stunt double comes in and does my match for me. Then they gave, they said, Hey, Ms. Dow, uh, Damien Sandow will be your, your stunt double. And he ended up doing so well on the outside of mirroring everything I did that I, it backfired. (laughs) (laughs) I was getting my butt whooped. I would do tag matches by myself, but he would get all the pops. He would get all the, and I go, this guy is a genius, an absolute genius. I forgot we had tag matches with you guys and they were incredible. They were so entertaining, but you're right. You would do all the work and he would come in and get the pops. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you're not understanding. Like, the idea was that I wasn't going to do anything. I would have to sit back and let my stunt double do it. But Damien Sandow is such a creative genius that literally he switched it on me. And like, <laughs> oh my God. When, when we do those matches overseas and he would have somebody held up and then he'd go, you know, you do like the rib breaker and Sandow would lay in the ropes as if he was held like that too, held perpendicular. <laughs> Thank God, some of the oh. funniest things. But that's what I love about wrestling. And again, like your mind in the business, you're able to understand those aspects. Like, yes, moves are cool and all this stuff is cool. But like, what do you see that you recognize that you can essentially like generalize about me just from like my outfit? Can you understand what I'm going to portray when I speak just from my outfit? Okay, we got that. Now, can I back that up with how I speak? Now, can I back that up with my actions? And then the last picture point of the picture is, okay, let's have a wrestling match. And I feel like you're one of the, the main guys of this era who has that like down to a T. I don't know what it is. It's very difficult. I just have a punchable face. Like people love <laughs> to hate me. Even when they like me, they love to hate me. It's just more fun to dislike me. So I've always had a problem with like getting people to cheer me and like me and keep it going because you're supposed to just stay the same. If, if people are cheering you as a bad guy, then just do it as a good guy. What you're doing, the same stuff, but sometimes my stuff doesn't work like that. I don't know. You guys tell me. It's uh, no, I agree with you. It's uh, you're, you're you're acting the same. You're just punching a different person. That's yeah. pretty much what it is. But I think that you just they people have so much equity in hating you that it's almost like switching. Like so, okay, so I can't switch off iPhone because I've spent what a, a decade of money in the app store. I'm 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 in. I'm already in. Mm-hmm. So I think right. that that's how they how they look at you. It's like man, we just we just love hating them so much. I mean. We support you, but you better you better make me mad at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and trust me, I love it. I love pushing buttons. Like I'll push a button all day, every day. So I will figure out new ways to upset people, make them hate me, and just be absolutely obnoxious, which is not very hard for me. Yeah, I was gonna say like it, 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 I mean it's a trait though. It's a talent. You know what I mean? Like it's a natural talent. It's a gift in a weird way because like. You know, everyone, everyone can't do that. And I think that's one of the things that like I appreciate about like working with you, especially over the years, is that the match structure is always easy because people do what they're supposed to do. Like you're never like the guy who, you know, sometimes you have some heels out there who people start cheering for, you know, and now the baby face has to figure out a way to like get them to cheer for. I, I feel like you they're always booing you no matter what, no matter what. Like, so it's just uh, like I always appreciate that, you know, um, 
just because it just makes it an easier story to tell, you know? Like, I don't really have, I can go out and do my thing, you do your thing, and people leave with the emotions that we want them to leave with. Not that that's always, like, the, the, the way to do it or anything, but it just makes it a lot easier when you don't have to think about, like, oh, God, now they're cheering for the bad guy. What are we, what are we going to do to make them, like, boo this guy? You never have to worry about people booing you. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, a lot yeah, of people don't, like, so some people don't like to be booed, like, some people will go on Twitter and see like you suck, you can't wrestle, and take that to heart. Me, I look at that as compliments. Yeah. Like when I see people telling me how terrible I am, how horrible I am, how terrible a wrestler I am, how unathletic I am, how I shouldn't be doing the figure four, how I should, how I, I'm not technically sound, how you know I'm too loud, I'm too obnoxious, I'm too slow, I'm too fat, I'm too, I'm not big enough, I'm not, I'm not ripped enough. Like anytime I see anything like that, I take it as a compliment because I'm, I'm making people react and I'm making people do exactly what I want them to do. Some people can't do that. Some people don't like that and take it too much to heart. And honestly, another thing is I also look at it as like, if they're doing that to me and telling me, you know, I suck and I'm terrible, well then maybe I'm taking that away from, you know, a kid that might get that tweet, you know, or something like that. So like, I always, I always look at it with like, you know, great good. Please tell me I suck because I can take it. But some kids, you know, in high school or elementary school or middle school probably can't, you know, they don't have the confidence that I have. So it's kind of one of those things. Damn, this is dark, dark night. Yeah, exactly. I'm the underdog. My As God. I this around full circle. I'm the underdog in WWE, too. I think one of the things, too, that I really appreciate about you, too, is that you do a really good job with pairings. And one of my favorites, we had the one match, the mixed match challenge. Uh, we just had one match, me and Carmella, and that was so much fun. But for some reason, I would never think before this that you and Asuka would work. It doesn't make any sense. It's from, But for some reason, like everything you guys did together, it was one of the most enjoyable pairings. And then I think you guys, did you end up winning that year? Yeah, we won that year. It was honestly like there was a random pairing. I, I, I don't even think I've ever talked to Asuka before we started working together on the Mixed Match Challenge. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, you're with Asuka. And I, we start talking and honestly, I didn't under, I understand. She didn't understand what I was saying. I didn't understand what she was saying, but some way, somehow we just clicked. Like when you, it's like, it's like wrestling, speaking wrestling is a completely different language than English and, and, and Japanese, you know, it's, it's different. And when we came together, we would just speak wrestling wise and we would understand each other. And she is so good at, at going off of something like she can feel an emotion and be able to uh, relay that. And like, so it would always be like, I don't know, we would just figure out all right, what's our characters. Let's see how, why are we together and what we can do to make it fun. And that's exactly what we did. And I had a blast working with Oscar. It was so much fun. Like you saying, you're just uh, a, a man of many talents, many skills <laughs> all over the place. We are unfortunately out of time with you today, but mm. I, as we, wow. before we wrap, before we wrap, uh, I'd love for you to let people know about Cannonball, however you'd like to tell them. All right. Well, Cannonball is every Thursday on the USA Network, 8, 7 Central. It is the biggest, wettest, wildest water sports competition in history. And honestly, and that, that's the tagline. But in reality, I, I look at it as a something that the family can sit down and watch and literally just laugh at because there's so much drama in this world right now. And I feel like sometimes you just need an outlet, even if it's just for an hour. And it's an effortless watch. And you'll laugh and you'll watch some big, big crashes. 
And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's highly entertaining. And before I go, by the way, I wanted to say thank you, Woods, because I loved your history part one. Oh, I never thanks. knew about Seneca Village. That is yeah. incredible. It's that Central Park. Like yeah, I've been to Central Park. I don't know how many times. Like, I, I mean, I, I, when I was on the real world back to New York, that's where we would go to get away from the cameras. Like literally go there and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. But like, I never realized that that was, that was, I didn't even heard of Seneca Village until you did that. And I can't wait for your, your part two. And the way you did it, by the way, was just, it was so informative and fun to listen to and hear. It's not like, it's not like a teacher teaching me. It's like a friend saying, dude, this is what this was. Check it out. That I'm just, I'm just spewing some knowledge. Here you go. Blah, blah. And, and I was like, wow, it like blew my mind. It was so cool. Thanks, man. It's, it's something that me, Ian, Kofi have all been talking about for, for a little while. Cause you're trying to figure out different ways to make sure that people understand historical things that have happened. Cause like, I didn't know about Seneca village either. Uh, I think it was E send us a thread that this guy put on Twitter, just talking about all of these towns that uh, were made by black people that just ended up getting destroyed and swept under the rug. And then the winners write the history books. So we don't know about all of these types of things. And so, um, yeah, we're just going to do a string of some videos talking about uh, these towns and then um, some of the unfortunate massacres that occurred. I remember listening to your guys's, uh, your guys's podcast and then he was talking about the, the Tulsa massacre. And I, I, I had no idea about that either. Like it was just, I, mean, I, I love what you guys are doing because it's educating me in a, I wouldn't say like, oh, fun way, you know, but it's like yeah. it's educating me in a way that I want to learn. Rather than like being like this, 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 it was like, hey, what about the this this massacre? What about Seneca Village? And then the way you guys do it, it's just so well done. So I appreciate that. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. In closing, in closing, what else is going on with you? Can you give us some info about uh, Ms. and Mrs.? All this is just your time to plug everything. uh, We have fourteen new episodes coming this fall. Uh, We just got done shooting them, and if. If you enjoyed my dad at WrestleMania where he got in the ring and got his butt whooped by Shane McMahon, then you are absolutely going to love him on this show because he, we said Marjo was our breakout season one star. My dad is season two breakout star 100% because all he does is make fun of me the entire season. So if you want to see me get roasted for 14 episodes by my father, it's definitely a show for you. But also you, I like, I love this show because I get to watch my daughters grow. And like, I get, I mean, Monroe was born on the, like was born on the show. And now I have these amazing moments with my daughter that are, that are shot and edited perfectly. So it's like, it's just, it's incredible to see. It's like my own family album uh, of just show. So I love that. Um, what else am I doing? WWE Smackdown on WWE on Fox. I mean, there's no other show like it. You got a Big East singles run coming for you. Come on. Uh-huh. Come on. How are you liking this right now, Big E, by the way? There's no, like, Kofi's was very, very organic, and it was very yeah. audience-driven. Right. This one is a little, this one's a little tougher to do. So, not necessarily tougher to do, but it's a different element that you have to do. So, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, no, it's a good opportunity for sure. And I feel like uh, one of the beautiful things is people have been so supportive, but a lot of this is kind of, in many ways, coming out of nowhere in the sense that all we did was had a backstage where I said I was going to do some singles. And now, like, it's being, it's in many ways kind of ballooned too much. Like, to even compare it to Kofi's run uh, kind of seems wrong, even though I, I understand where you're coming from, because he, he was a world champion. And like you said, it had the support of the people. So it's just, it is very different because 
ideally you want to be able to go out in front of a live crowd and say, this is working because people are losing their minds on a daily basis on the live events every single night. So it's, uh, it's definitely very unique uh, for many reasons. You feel the momentum. Like when I, when I was going for the WWE championship, I felt the momentum. I imagine Kofi felt the momentum. Like you feel something is happening and it's magic. You, You can't explain it. There's nothing that you can actually explain, but do you feel different? Do you think, okay, this, this could lead to the moment. I get that feeling just by my only real barometer is Twitter and, and like Instagram. That's it. And I feel like there's been an outpouring of people who've been supportive. And I've done some interviews with different outlets where there are a lot of people who there's there's a lot of people who are, are putting these expectations on it. And in many ways, for me, it seems a little premature, but I I like that people feel this could be more than just, hey, you're doing some singles matches for a little bit until the group's back together and then you'll go back to normal. I like that there are expectations, but uh, it's just different because like you said, like you can, when you're in the arena, you know when something is good. You have that immediate feedback from fans to tell you this is good or this sucks. And we don't have that right now. So it's very different and unique, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. But I just, it's a a very different feel. Yeah. And Woods, how's the wheel? It's getting there. It's getting there. It's feeling yeah. a little better than it did uh, when You're I tore the itch? Uh, you know, I definitely do uh, feel the itch as I get closer and closer to coming back. So it's, uh, I try to not listen to it too much because I don't want to like try to rush myself back, but it's definitely there and starting to scratch on the door a little bit. It's like, you know, you leave your, your cat outside the bedroom and you just hear that clawing. It's just, just a little bit right now, but it's starting to, starting to get a little loud in the headpiece, you know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, oh, always love you. all your work. You guys are so entertaining, so fun, so athletically gifted. Unlike me and Kofi, you're very good at basketball, and I will beat you. One <laughs> so I, would, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't go that far. I would. I'm going to beat you 100%. <laughs> Next time, whenever we can travel, and literally, you guys can come to my house and we'll play on my seven foot hoop. <laughs> you're going to see me pulling out some old school Sean Kemp. Yes, yes. Slam them down. What? Miz, where can they uh, find you on socials? Uh, At Mike the Miz on Twitter and Instagram. Definitely check it out. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, guys. Of course. uh, You can catch me on Twitter, Instagram at Xavier Woods, PhD. Catch me on uh, Instagram at uh, The True Kofi and uh, at True Kofi on the Twitter. Yeah. And I am at WWE Big E on Twitter and on Instagram. But anyways, that's it for me. Yes. That's all I got. Oh, oh. So before I do, I forgot that I got something to show you. I got it. You know, here. Let me just. Oh. If it's his tie, if it's his up, up, down, down title, just to Wait, hold on, I'm be very upset. Let's see what he's got there, Miz. Hold on now. Let's see what he's got. He hid behind his. What, what did he find? My guitar that's signed by you, Kofi. What oh is this? my! What do we have here? Ah, uh, Michael. Michael, Michael. Oh, this- oh, wow. You know, you could have ended. You could have ended on a high note. <laughs> I got this down off my wall just so I could bring it to you and show you. What is it? This is the Intercontinental Championship that I Ooh. took from Miz. And if you want to hear that story, you got to wait for part two of Miz to be back on. But long story short, I, I beat the Miz and he had to take this title <clears> off of his wall and give it to me. Yeah. And I had to videotape myself taking it off the wall. and. Yeah, I've tried to get it back numerous times, but ended up losing more than... I mean, there you have more. I, I, yeah. I Didn't you lose my other two? No, no, this is the one that you thought I lost. 
No, the United States Championship you lost as well. No, the U.S. title's on my wall. So I have pictures. Uh, I, these titles are hung on my wall, and I have pictures of screenshots from you handing them to me. It's very special. But again, we'll it's go into that on part two. We'll go into that on yeah, part two. Yeah, we'll do that on part two. All right, thank you. Well, well, thanks for leaving it on a down note. Remember like when we said whenever we lose in Up, Up, Down, Down, we have knots in our stomachs? Thank you for ruining my week. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's determination for next time. <laughs> next time, it's on. Yes. Marble Madness, let's go. Yes, hell yeah. Uh, make sure you guys are checking out. Oh, E, shirts. Yes, uh, make sure to uh, check for our New Day podcast shirt at uh, WWE Shop. Also, we have a charity tee. Uh, you can check the link in my Instagram bio. And all the proceeds go to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. I think last time I checked was a few days ago. We're at 866 shirts sold. So thank you so, wow. for, so much for everyone who supported. That's uh, We're at at least $8,000 that'll go to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. So uh, it's a dope shirt. And also I got to shout out my man uh, at D-O-R-O-W-O-T on Instagram. He's the artist who painted uh, the original and then we made shirts off of it. So uh, very thankful for uh, Julius Hutchins. That's the name of the artist. But uh, yeah, you can cop those two shirts. Nice. So if you enjoyed this podcast, which we know you did, because we know that you love The Miz, make sure you're telling your friends to listen to it wherever they listen to their podcast. Just go to the search bar, type in The New Day, click the pink picture with the three black guys faces on it, and subscribe. Thank you for listening. See you next time.